Welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast, where we take a look at the week-by-week downfall and collapse and just general going to shit of WCW. You stole my line. Into In the year 1999, I guess a bit of 98, and 2000, a little bit of 2001. I have one line in the intro and you stole my line. I'm Nick, alongside Emily. No, I quit. Emily, we're here to talk about episode 78. It's the January 17th, 2000 Nitro. The first Nitro without Vince Russo in about three months. It does feel like it. I was say, his first Nitro, I want to say, was October 18th. And this is January 17th. So, honestly, it hasn't even been three months. No, but he did some catastrophic damage. That's enough. So you said this feels like the first Nitro without Vince Russo. Does it also feel like the first Nitro without a lot of the mid-card? Kind of no. I didn't really miss them that much. Yeah, I think they they were accidentally already phasing them out. I mean, yes and no. I mean, this show tends to rely on its like main event heavy hitters. This show was very Kevin Nash heavy. So it didn't necessarily feel like we were missing, you know, the revolution. Yeah, in, in all honesty, this card felt more like it was missing people from the top. Yeah, exactly. Like, it feels like there's no main eventers in WWE right now, which is a weird thing to say. Well, yeah. That's true. I mean, you can also make an excuse for that and be like, yeah, last night was a pay-per-view, so we're giving some of our guys an easier night. I don't know. I mean, That's we, an excuse you can make. It's not the excuse, but it's an excuse. Well, I think we, we kind of came across this when we were talking about how Billy Kidman's like the third face right now. I forget who we said it was in front of him, but I'm like... Booker, probably? Yeah, even then, it's like there's Sid, large tear gap, Booker and Kidman. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't miss it. There was enough else going on in the show that it didn't necessarily feel like we said goodbye to five guys yesterday. I'm not going to make a burger Please joke. <laughs> so sometimes, before we get into the episode, we'll go over the rating, which we already kind of said, unless it's anything notable at this point, hey, like, you know, it went down from a 3.5 to a 3, whatever. Usually I have some backstage drama. We went over all the backstage drama for the next few weeks uh, in the last episode. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing's going to top that. <laughs> That's that is true. All of the drama last week, or at, at sold out. Not even last week, just sold out last night. <laughs> yeah, well, it it was sold out, and then the stuff that actually happened the night we went over then, and then because all of the radicals and everybody is still under contract right now. Yes, it seemed like Tony Schiavone was going to get more into it, especially when commentary started really talking. It seemed like he was going to be like, "We have some things to talk about." But he didn't really address... He didn't address what we wanted him to address. You're telling me Tony Schiavone overhyped something? It was the way that he was selling it. God, that would be the biggest oversell in the history of our sport. So as mentioned before, today's episode is going over the January 17th, 2000 WW Monday Nitro live from... The Ohio State University. I'm proud of you for knowing that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not marking whatever actual actual city it is. It's just it from Ohio matter. State It's University, Ohio State City. Which... <laughs> God, if you if you miss that at the start, you're gonna pay attention to it during the fucking show because that's. I learned a lot about Ohio State's rivalries. Yeah. Apparently, they don't like Michigan. Learned that. Yes, that is oh. the whole thing. I do miss the days where wrestling shows could go to colleges and it would be a whole thing. Yeah, this crowd was hot. I will oh, give yeah. them that. They were really hyped. Not always over the right were. things. But... Yeah, but <laughs> they were very active participants. Yeah, maybe that's what we should be saying. And admittedly, it's a bit on the show for. Seeing that and going, let's just get a reaction and nothing else. Yeah. But we'll get to those segments. I mean, wrestling in general is very um, 
guilty of that. Like, when they have a hot crowd, they go for the cheap heat to just, like, keep the crowd riled up. It is annoying. It's it's frustrating because, like, you have a crowd that will actually get hot for good stuff. And then you're like, oh, I hate your sports team. Like, WWE does this, too. Yes. However, the majority of the time, they'll tie it back into what they're doing. Sure. We have a segment later where someone comes out to get cheap heat and then does not progress any story or do anything else. Sure, but cheap heat is still cheap heat. And when it's so blatantly obvious of yeah. like, I hate your sports team, this town sucks, like you're all losers, that's lame. Yeah, but I mean... It's, we, not, it's not good enough. My entire point here is that it needs to be in service to something else. And when it's just the segment on its own, it doesn't work. It sells better when you're in the crowd personally. It's a yeah. lot. It, it doesn't read as well on TV, but in the audience, when we go to the shows in Philadelphia and they're like, ah, oh, this dirty ass city. I'm like, I'm not even from there, but I'm like, fuck you. I mean, like, yeah, Philly, well, Philly is fucking dirty. It's well, not even yeah, a Yeah, no one fuck is denying you, that. So is Baltimore. There's the flip side. And we've kind of talked before, and I think you have mentioned on the podcast about which is a more lame move of the wearing the rival sports jersey to get heat or wearing the local sports jersey to suck up? They're both really cheap. It's the easiest, it's the most phone-it-in way to yeah. get any kind of reaction. It's You're not working. You're not trying. One last thing before we get back into it. I would say the, the weirdest example of the sucking up of the crowd is having the local star on commentary. Because then no one from the audience actually gets to hear them. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And the most famous version of that is the uh, how much does this guy weigh? Art Donovan. But that's AKA classic. Art O'Donnell. That's, well, that's classic, classic for the wrong reasons. I don't care if it's for the wrong reasons. It's hilarious. How much does this guy weigh? He's one of the Baltimore Colts. I love him. Don't know who the hell he is. Fuck the Colts. It's right. Now they're just Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> so let's get into this show. A limo arrives with Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, and Jeff Jarrett. They do not mention Bret Hart at any point tonight. They do not. Like, they don't mention Scott Hall. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They do mention Brett because they do it in the the beginning commentary when they say that Brett is out with a concussion. All right. Let me me rephrase. They do mention Let me rephrase. They don't mention Bret Hart as a member of the NWO and a, like, fixture in stories. Correct. They mention him as a human with an injury and they update the people on that, which I prefer. Yeah. They, like, fully... I say write Bret Hart out, but just like Bret Hart has become non-canon almost. Yeah, he was. He never. His heart was never in the NWO. No one was buying no. that he was there. Everybody knows that he was injured. Yeah. He's got a groin injury, the likes of which you've never seen. And well, we fair, need this, to know that he's okay. This injury is not a groin injury. None of you people got groins. None of you people got brains. <laughs> oh god. The, the first segment is them just arriving, which is really not noteworthy outside of. Jeff Jarrett gets out of the limo and goes for a handshake, and it's in the handshake po- like pose for the entirety of the walk of about it's only about twenty seconds, but it feels like an hour of just shake his hand, Kevin. And even during the walk, like right before they cut to black, Jarrett looks at uh, Nash and goes, "Handshake here, yeah, handshake. Hey, shake my hand. Don't make this weird." Kevin Nash does have a um a customized license plate. Did you see it? Oh, it said Nash something. Nash N L, National. Oh, okay. It's, honestly, Worldwide, baby. Honestly, it's better than NWO White, so there's that. Yes, exactly. We didn't get an abbreviated WCW intro. like So abbreviated that you don't even realize that the intro is over, and then the first match has already begun. Yeah. They, they, it's so quick. If you blink, you've missed it, and the match is already over. That's how much they're phasing out the Nitro Girls. You can't even be in the intro anymore. I do miss them. 
We get the opening pyro, and we go straight into our first match. And I mean that literally because they don't get entrances. Both men are in the ring. If you blink, you miss the intro and the start of the match. It's Kidman versus Psychosis. Yeah, which should have gotten a little bit of fanfare at the beginning. Get the early leg float over, and then Hurricane Rana from Kidman. Kidman manages to hit a top rope crossbody, and then Tony Schiavone on commentary tells everybody the changes from the pay-per-view. Like, in case you missed last night, a whole bunch of shit happened. Yeah, I was starting to get frustrated with this match because the commentary team was kind of just using this the way that they use a lot of like undercard matches where it's just like, yeah, this is happening. Let me talk over it and let me fill you in on what's going on. But it's the star of the show of last night in a match to start. We're not even going like, to acknowledge him? Yeah, it, admittedly, I tuned commentary out for a lot of this, so I was not as affected by it. I mean, you couldn't tune them out. You had to listen because they were saying a lot of stuff about last night and like I wanted to hear what they had to say. I couldn't tune them out in case they said something important that we might have missed from backstage. But they also just weren't talking about the match. It felt like you were watching a video podcast with like a reel of film going behind the podcast people talking. It was just like the commentary was having a conversation and oh yeah, there's a match going on. Well, I hate to do the exact same thing they did, but there's really no other point in the show to talk about this. During this match, they mention there's a controversy with the Cruiserweight title. Yes. We don't see this on Nitro. We only see this on Thunder. Yes. Emily, do you want to go through, I guess, the Oklahoma saga from Thunder? I don't even, like, fully remember his reasoning for it, but... It, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. So, on Thunder, Oklahoma comes out and he talks about how, like, he's so proud of the match he put on. And he's so proud that he won the title and... He proved women men have, are better. And yeah, women women belong in the kitchen. She's back in her place. Men are superior, yada, yada. But I don't want the title anymore, and I'm vacating it. So the thing he says is that there are more deserving men than me, so I am going to vacate this. Wow, so noble. However, this has nothing to do with the fact that I am not a cruiserweight. Because they, See, here's they, the thing. They, I wouldn't have even thought about that unless he said it. Well... Wouldn't have even crossed my mind. So commentary implies that, like, yeah, he can't hold the title because he's not a cruiserweight. But, like, it's not enough of a joke. No. So it just comes off as, like, this noble man, for lack of a better term. Like, from what I'd heard, this was a way more embarrassing segment. Like, the, it should have like, been, like, like a fat like, shaming like, he gets, like, he gets dragged out of the road of kicking and screaming. And he just, like, I'm, I'm vacating the title. Just very calm. It has nothing to do with that. And then Medusa comes out to challenge him, and he's like, oh, I was ready for this, and I have a woman ready for you. And Medusa fights Sherry Martell in an underwhelming match, and... and that's kind of it. It was being something weird with the match, too. I forget what. I don't but. remember. Yeah, it, it doesn't tie into anything, and... No, the reason why I would not have even thought about him not being a cruiserweight is, like, yes, WWE has weight classes, but there's such a third, fourth, fifth thought that it's not even anything that I would even consider to be a problem. WCW actually did enforce the cruiserweight. Not in our viewing. Yeah, we did. There were never weigh-ins. No. It's not boxing. No, but they were all under... They were all cruiserweights. I mean, like, I think the, the most borderline person I can think of is Disco Inferno. But even so, they they enforced it? Not really. Enforcing it to me would be like a weekly weigh-in. That's enforcing it. My point being that everybody who held the title was a cruiserweight. There was sure, nobody was, on the bubble. But it was never, like, noted. Yeah, it was left unsaid because they were all cruiserweights. The fact that it was no, left unsaid way, the, for so long and now that's a whole thing that we have to uphold, I, well, I don't know. Th- that Well, that's more an issue of bad storytelling. Sure. It was just, because, it felt like such a gray area rule. And it feels like a gray area rule in 
WWE too. Yeah, but we'll say admittedly, the way it's presented ninety five percent of the time is you see somebody wrestling for the cruiserweight title, it is just accepted they're a cruiserweight. The, yeah. little, the only person I can think of who was like they did a story with was Matt Hardy, and he literally was cutting weight to challenge for the cruiserweight title. Yeah, and if that's part of the story, great. Yeah. And that feels like you're actually adhering to the rules of the weight classes. Yes. Otherwise, it's just a secondary thought. It's like, you know, you're well, a small guy. You go in the cruiserweight division. I mean, that's that's the whole point. <laughs> it, it was secondary thought. They did not set up this story at all and then until, until they needed an out. Yeah, exactly. To my knowledge, and that, you know, obviously there's the asterisk with that. Um, we, we like to cite Ultimate Warrior and Chris Jericho. But to my knowledge, that is the end of Oklahoma. Can't wait for Oklahoma to come open the show next week. Oklahoma does not wrestle another match. I can tell you that. I can't wait for Oklahoma <laughs> to open the show on Thunder next week. This is, this is a sixty-minute Iron Man match, and just uh, we're, we will not miss Oklahoma. No, I would say I was going to say it got less offensive, but it no, shifted it how it got offensive. It didn't. It never got less offensive. Yeah, it, it just shifted who they were making angry. Yeah, he stopped doing an impression of a man who had a stroke and started minimizing women. Like, he just went from one bad to another bad. Like, it was never less offensive. Yeah. In the spirit of WCW commentary, let's get back to the match we were talking about. Kidman gets dumped to the floor and, and Psychosis hits a dive over the ropes onto him. Psychosis goes up top and hits a diving spin kick. We get a rebound clothesline from Kidman, but it only gets a two. We didn't really... We only half noticed, but Bobby Heaton's mic was not working for the first part of this match. And like... No, they... Mike Tanay, at least, acknowledged it a couple of times of like, Bobby, I can't hear you. Like, he did acknowledge it. He said something about like, yeah, Bobby Heaton nods in approval. And I was like, why can't he say that? But halfway through the match, Bobby Heaton's mic starts working. It's like, okay, he's, he's here now. Yeah. No, they weren't intentionally blocking yeah. him out. Well, the first thing Bobby does is basically reassure everybody, Kidman's not going anywhere because they put him over big. Oh, yeah. They put him over slightly more than his performance in kayfabe actually deserves. I disagree. They ignore the fact he lost the third match. They just pretend that shit didn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because I if, for, I ignore the fact that he missed he lost the third match. If you asked me, I would have said he won all three. Well, to me, it feels obvious. You go into a Kidman versus the Wall feud, or Why you that do obvious? that, or you do that match tonight. Kidman worked his ass off all night and then lost to the Wall. After he already wrestled two matches, it's like, no, I know I can beat him. He just sure. lost and went, well, that's that, I suppose. Sure. Like, I really was ready for more Kidman Wall for like, you know, like. I don't want more Wall. Well, that, that's that's your problem. He's, he's going to be around. We haven't even gotten to the Hulk Hogan promo yet. Ugh. Kidman counters a dive with a drop kick and then hits modified Kidman faction. Hits it off like the, the center of the ring ropes as opposed to in the corner. Psychosis counters a superplex with a face buster from the top rope. We get a beautiful wheelbarrow German suplex from Kidman. I like heard you make some sort of noise after that. I love Kidman. When he does good flippy moves, I'm going to make noise. I don't know. There were a lot of good moves in this match. I'm not going to say that he had a bad move set period. Like he was just good. He brought it like it's Kidman. What am I? What am I? What do you want me to say? He's fantastic. Like I've been saying that for months. <laughs> one non-glorious move and one glorious move that didn't happen. The non-glorious move... Psychosis hits a DDT and then a guillotine leg drop, which just catches Kidman straight in the face. Yeah, yeah, that one looked a little rough. Even on the replay, it was like, ugh. We then get a powerbomb attempt from Psychosis, and Kidman counters this, obviously, into a face buster, which they call the they face call jam. They call it a face jam. I don't like that. Face buster. Everybody get up. It's time to jam now. No. Face buster. 
still no shooting star press from Kidman. I'm like, what I'm wondering if he like spooked himself because he like almost botched it once. And... Or, or the well, actually, they were talking about how oh he's now like moving up the card. Is it basically yeah Hulk Hogan ain't taking ain't taking the risk of uh getting a shooting star press knee to the face. So you need a new finisher. You think Hulk Hogan's taking a face buster? More than, Absolutely fucking not. More he's than not. a shooting star press to the Hulk knee. Hulk Hogan is not taking a face buster. He's not taking either one. If we're talking about like him going up to potentially face Hulk Hogan, he's not doing either of these moves. This was a good match, though. Yeah. It. I, I said to you at the time, this feels like a trap. It's like, you're going to lure me in with this good match, and then you're going to drop the bullshit again, aren't you? I was a little worried that we saw our best bit pretty early. Well, um, not to give spoilers, but you know... <laughs> No, this did a good job of putting both men over. Like, Kidman definitely feels like a rising star, and Psychos is able to keep up with him, so. I, I hate that we consider him a rising star. Because he was always one of the best on the roster. Always. I mean... So the fact that he's a rising star, like, he's a rising star by default. Well, I mean, we talked about this with Perry Saturn leaving. The first pay-per-view we watched with Billy Kidman is, like, the start of his breakout. Yeah. Like, he just left Raven's Flock, like brand new character it just turns out he's in ring charismatic enough and has a good enough move set can put matches together and like, yeah it works but i think his problem like a lot of people is that billy kidman's not a good promo he's a better promo than half the people they have on the roster that doesn't make him good however he got a little addition to his act on thunder tory's back yeah tory just vanished showed back up and uh is now paired with Kidman. We haven't seen her in a minute. Yeah. The last thing I can think of was when she was supposed to make out with Eddie Guerrero. And he's like, no, I'm married. I'm not yeah. going to make out with you. But we'll make yeah, a weird like, the scene. Last, the last time we saw Tori, she was paired up with Eddie. But we have not also seen Eddie in a minute. Yeah. And the last time we saw Eddie, we hadn't seen Tori in a while since then. I'm trying to remember when the match that Tori was in was how long ago that was it can't have been that long ago it's all a blur it really is everything kind of melds together we go to commentary tony shivani bobby heenan and mike today check in and talk mostly about last night i was really interested to see how they would handle this conversation because in commentary while this the, the last match was happening they kept saying like we have an update on the things that happened last night and to me it's like the things that happened last night are everybody fucking walking out that happened last night not you know the pay-per-view but he was talking in such a serious tone that, like, maybe you're going to address this. Yeah, because they throw to an Art Anderson promo from yeah. earlier in the day. So he talks about the main event match, which he was the referee for, and starts talking like, yeah, it was a damn good match. I'm not used to being a referee. And admittedly, I was just kind of watching it at, at certain points. I mean, we have that same problem when we're watching sometimes. Well, where we're, we're not, just like, well, we're also not refereeing the match. No, but there are times where we're supposed to be taking notes, and yeah. I have to watch a match twice because I'm just watching the match. There, there is both ends on that. Of I have no notes because it was a good match, or I have no notes because holy fuck, I could not pay attention to this match. Right. There, there are two different ends of that spectrum. So he mentions two referee calls: one he made and one he should have made. The one he made was after a choke slam. Chris Benoit's feet were under the b- bottom rope. So it was not a pin. He then talks about the call he didn't make, which was Benoit locks in the crossface. Sid taps out, but his feet are honestly hanging out of the ring. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't realize that that was a rule. Under the rope, I didn't. Yeah. I thought it had to be on the rope. It is under the rope. The reason people go for the rope is to make it clear. Oh, okay. 
Because otherwise it's like, ugh, like is he actually kind of like there? Yeah. It's vague. Like You go for the rope to make sure they see it. Okay. So this is where it gets a little confusing. Contrary to all of their thoughts from the previous night, Art Anderson's like, well, this is unfair. So the belt is now vacated. Despite the fact that the night before he said, I'm so glad this belt can't be part of the NWO. And whoever wins this is going to lead the charge against the NWO. He now goes, well, it wouldn't be right. So um, no one's the champion. Wouldn't be right and, for it to not be And in NWO. his own words, it's like the match never happened. Yeah. It's been unclear. Kind of similar to the Giants' first world title win. Does this reign count for Chris Benoit? Because the way they're talking, you'd think no. And it's, the and the I way they're building an argument both ways. And the way they're building this up as well is like I took his greatest moment away from him. Like they're setting up him to have another one of these yeah. moments. For what it's worth, we are going to count this because you don't get to just wreck common shit like that. I can see it going either way. I can see people being for and against. My point being, we are still at uh, title change, title change three of two thousand. Yes. Okay. It, admittedly. In 2004, when they win his, quote, first world title, I think they make a passing mention to this. Like, that wasn't real, though. I don't know. Because he won it. Like, yeah. it is it is real in the sense that he won a match where a belt was on the line. But he did. it's not real in the fact that he didn't have a run. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, he won a match, but he didn't get to be the world champion. Yeah. So it's like, he did, but he didn't. It agreed. I, admittedly, I really like this promo from Arn. It, it did some heavy lifting of having to explain why why the title is going to be in the weird state it's in and his kind of like regret. Like It was See, good promo work from, from him. That's what I didn't like about it. I wanted it to be more straight shooting, straightforward, like no emotion involved. I made a mistake. This is what it is now. He got so flowery with it and put too much of his own like feelings behind what he was saying. Like, sure, it was a good promo, whatever. But... I wanted to know just the facts of like, what are we doing? What's happening? How are we going forward? But he was getting a little bit too emotional about it. Yeah. And that's what I, I didn't like. Well, I think part of the issue is that they don't know what the fuck they're doing now. So even more so, why not just be straight up? I, I thought he got his points across in terms of the titles vacated. He got his points across, but he was just a little too emotional about it. And I, just, I would oh, rather but... have him been like an unbiased referee, like still have the referee hat on of like, look, I'm not going to take sides. I'm not going to make you guys feel bad for me. This is what happened. This is what we're doing. Worth the agree disagree because I, I, I like the fact that he went, no, I fucked up. I'm not saying that he yeah. didn't. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying he's owning it and that's. And I'm not I'm, saying that yeah. he's not. Yeah. But he got a little too emotional about it. I don't need to know that you're sitting there watching the match. Like, yeah, so were we all like. Well, it, it was to me that was to explain why. Because I, I as part of this, he's like, got a lot more respect for referees now because. I, I didn't need that. I didn't need that. I, I liked That was it. too much. I, I, I liked it. I was like, mm. he mentions the uh, subtlety of like, yeah, there were some times where like I got my shoulder a little bit off, but the ref didn't, ref didn't see it. And it's like, oh, like. I didn't need that. I don't need your sad backstory. No, it puts over the sport of it. I, like I don't it. care. I need you to be an unbiased referee. Tell me what happened. Acknowledge that you fucked up. Take ownership. And then move the fuck on. I don't want to hear your sad, tragic clown backstory. Oh, by the way, he mentions Terry Funk during this promo. Again, why the fuck do we bring him up? I don't need to hear this. Terry Funk's not here tonight. No. This was so unnecessary. This is where I started to lose me. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Oh, I, I really enjoyed this. I'm glad you did. We're going to get some Nitro stills of the main event from last night. And uh, coming up at 9 p.m., it's going to be the State of WCW Address. 
The NWO go to Nash's office, and we get the Harris boys back in their creative control suits. Yeah, so they're security again. Yes, and they're now the Harris brothers. So we're acknowledging that they're brothers. Not acknowledging that they're twins. They are twins, though. I don't know. Emily, they are twins. They get Mean Gene backstage interviewing Booker T in Midnight. Booker says he hasn't forgotten where he comes from. He just doesn't talk about it. Basically pulling a emotionally removed dad being like, no, I love you. I just don't tell you every day. <laughs> Booker gives some backstory to Big T. It's like, yeah, he's somebody who I thought he was still in jail. Me and Stevie agreed. Like, no, nah, he's bad for us. Yeah, he's no good for us to be around. Like, I mean, in terms okay. of a character backstory, I, I kind of like it. From the wrong side of the streets. Yeah, he pretty much describes the character and not much else of note. Then we get some Nitro Souls from the match and... Then we get the Harlem Heat theme playing, and goddamn, one of these two needs a different theme song. Do you think they will get a different theme song? I think so. I mean, eventually. You have two different groups coming out of the same song. They're not really two different groups, though. I mean, they had the NWO Black and White versus the NWO Black and White for a long fucking time. Well, my point... Yeah, you got me there. Are you putting that over as a, as a good thing? No. I think that it's it'd be silly to say that they have to yeah. give them a different theme. Like, no, they don't. The only person that gets a new theme around here is Conan. We know that. <laughs> and we won't even see him for a little while. No. But when he comes back, you better be damn sure <laughs> gonna he's going to have a new fucking a theme. theme. <laughs> uh, Stevie Ray and Big T come out to the ring. Big I T. I don't like that they call him Big T. I'm sorry. I know we're off a lot of tangents today. But Big T versus Booker T, it's stupid. It's the battle of the T's. Like, we need to find a different letter at least. Emily, would it make you feel better or worse to know that they're going to do a match the pay-per-view over the letter T? joking this is when russo comes back isn't it <laughs> well you know what I did, no actually no because at the upcoming pay-per-view that said i take a lot of pride in our outro music and uh, i think that one has to be sesame street this match is brought to you by the letter, <laughs> letter t good <laughs> lord is a letter t gonna be on a pole but yeah big t rocking the fanny pack i love that fanny packs are in style Stevie wants to give Booker another chance and ask him to come out. Big T is being like, no, what the, what the fuck? No. Booker comes out to the Harlow Heat theme song with Midnight. And Stevie tells him like, no, no, no. Like, send Midnight at the back. Like, let's just work this out as brothers. I swear last week that Booker T was like, no, I'm done with you. Doesn't matter. To Midnight? No, to Stevie. Oh, I don't remember. I feel like he was like, I'm done with you. And this They're week. brothers. Like, they can only be so done with each other. So Stevie tells Midnight to go to the back so they can work this out. Booker agrees, gets in the ring. There's a little bit of a verbal back and forth, mostly big team mouthing off off mic. So Booker punches him. I do not blame Booker. I'd be no. so fucking annoyed if you're if one person is talking to you on a microphone trying to like say something, get a point across, and some fucker that you don't like is just being mouthy, just distracting. Yeah, I would slap him in the face too. What is it about this podcast that makes me so violent? I'm really not this violent of a person in real life. And a not great sign of things to come, I assume. Big T starts his first quote-unquote match by hitting a tiger bomb and falling over. You know, I didn't even pay much attention to him. There's suddenly a ref and Stevie Ray's like, start the match. Like, what match? This is a match, I guess? Big T hits a big slam on Booker. We get a flying forearm, scissor kick, and a bookend to Big T from Booker. Stevie distracts the ref so Big T can use the slapjack, which he stored in his fanny pack. He used the fanny pack for evil. <laughs> and, get, and he gets the win. Midnight stares them down as she goes to check on Booker. She's super helpful. I, I did have to laugh at the practicality of the fanny pack playing a factor in this match. Fanny pack should only ever be used for good. Like, this was and a... storing jello shots. This was a meh match, but the use of the fanny pack, it made me give it a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't thrilled with this match. It was pretty lame. Yeah. 
I said, if the fanny pack becomes a gimmick, if I'm it on becomes board. a gimmick, I'm in. Yeah. For some reason, you and I own a lot of fanny packs. I I just bought you a women's championship one. I know, and I'm excited to wear it to Raw when we go in July. But you brought a couple back from you brought three back from your job. I have I acquire fanny packs per event at my job. I think we own about ten fanny packs. But this is just continuing the story of the of these groups. I thought it was you know fairly effective. That said, I, considering I know this is going towards an eventual feud over the letter T. Um, stupid. I don't like Ahmed Johnson. I didn't like him in the Nation Domination. I don't care for him here. I think he's really lame. I don't want him here. Yeah, he had a bit of a lightning in the bottle for a little while, and then he just kind of got hurt once or twice, and it didn't hit the same. And mm. yeah, as I mean, I we, we actually we, we saw him in our '97 Raw rewatch. You can you can see the weight difference. Oh unfortunately. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But let's go backstage. We get the Mamelukes hyping up Disco Inferno for the something. Goons. I get really confused by their relationship, the goons and Disco, because it started out with like, you owe us money. Now you're going to fight for us. Now we're bros. Yeah, they're still not bros. But I hate to tell you, I'm pretty sure this is just going to end up getting merged into, no, we're just now a trio. And I'm... I think Tony Marinara gets phased out. Uh, I, he already is getting yeah, phased out. Yeah, he already out. is. He hasn't really been, you know, a character in a couple weeks. Like, I'm not surprised, but it's just I the... I think he on the paper... I think he showed up on the pay-per-view, but like... He did. Yeah, it was like... It's just the evolution like of their relationship does not really make sense. Yeah. They went from, like, trying to kill Disco to being, like, now they're hyping him up for his match? Like, Oh, what? I mean, his match makes even less sense, but we'll get well, to that. Well, yeah. We didn't get the first of a couple Randy Savage Slim Jim ads. Like, these are still going. I'm, yeah, I wonder when these are Yeah, we're trying out. to monitor when these end, but... I mean, he's still under contract, so... Which is just a funny thought. Like, he he could come back. They That's need... how you fill your main roster yeah, say, Yeah, they need main event. As bad as he was, you know? It's he an option. Sucked. We're going to get the Disco Inferno with Big Vito and Johnny the Bull versus Vampiro. No Tony Marinara. Nowhere to be seen. Not mentioned. Mm-mm. We get a spin kick from Vampiro, and then another. Vampiro lands on his feet from a, a monkey flip, and then hits a big urinagi, and it's another one of those like borderline unsafe moves where Disco lands like mostly on his neck. Prior to the match starting, I, you jumped into the match before I could note this. When Disco comes out doing the Disco Fever dance, did you notice that the goons like turn him around and like wag- waggled their finger in his face, like no dancing, like we don't do that here. Not to be confused with their match on Thunder, where. Daphne starts doing the the disco dance, and she's like, "No, that's my thing." Right? No, that's, this is different. This is like, no, we don't do that anymore. No, but Vampiro just seemed really slappy in this match to me. Vampiro misses a spinning moonsault from the top row, then gets beat down by the goons on the outside. The ref catches them, and it looks like he ejects them, but they just kind of go up the ramp a bit and then come back. It's kind of yeah. Weird. I think they were intended to be ejected, but they just didn't. Yeah. Big clothesline from Disco, and he goes for the last dance, but it's countered. We get a swinging neckbreaker from Disco, followed by a Russian leg sweep, and then a miss dancing Brett's rope elbow drop. And around here, we get a good amount of Disco sucks chance. I know. Which, like, he's meant to be the like the reluctant face in this trio. I don't understand why you would think that he sucks right now. Like, he's not doing badly. He's not. He's not the heel. He's putting on a fine match. Yeah. I didn't get the disco sucks bits. But like I said, this crowd was hot and not always for the right reasons. He, he is like notoriously hated throughout the wrestling world. And I don't fully get it. Like, he's not an A-plus performer, but I don't know. I think he's mostly inoffensive. Yeah. I don't know. 
Which might be the nicest thing anyone said about him in a while. <laughs> Inoffensive. <laughs> we get a diving spin kick from Vampiro. Disco ends up on the floor. So the goons throw him back in the ring before he's ready. Which was, I guess, meant to help him. Vampiro hits a nail in the coffin, which I uh, I mistyped. And I wrote nail in the coughing. And uh, Emily, who's that Pokemon? It's coughing. Jesus. And Vampiro gets We're really trying to get that in wherever we can. So apparently Vampiro's on a winning streak. I didn't really realize it, but that's what commentary was saying. He lost a tournament match in the last three weeks on a winning streak. Okay, well, I'm just saying what yeah. commentary said. Uh, the goons are mad about Disco losing, and I'm confused because I'm like, wait, you threw him back in the ring. I thought you were trying to cost him. You just... No, they were trying to encourage him. I don't know. It wasn't a bad match, just a confusing story around this match. Yeah, it was underwhelming. Yeah, and Vampiro seemed to medium care here. He cared more than last time. Yeah. Disco can wrestle, so he's like, okay, well, you know, I'll put in a bare minimum performance. Right. And not less. We then go to the commissioner's office. Scott Steiner presents The Hose. I hated this. Which, like... We'll work on some, some branding for the general vibe of women they're going for, but it is just the hose. Apparently they yeah. were going, apparently they were all going for the NWO or commissioner's secretary job is the Which context. Which was not go. clear. No. No, it just, you, it wait, literally. You're telling me in a segment involving Scott Steiner and Kevin Nash, they rambled incoherently? And they wanted to be the one to get the last word? Yeah, who to thunk it? No, I didn't like this because it really just felt like Scott Steiner was parading women for Kevin Nash to choose from. It was just like, it's like he brought in a platter of like appetizers and it's like, what would you like to have for dinner, my lord? Like, Ad- Additionally, Kevin Nash like doesn't sell this like, oh, this is great. Kevin Nash kind of like. He's kind of underwhelmed. He's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, why Why do there so fucking many? This is weird. This is, yeah. It, it came off as icky. It didn't come off as like, oh, we get all the babes. It was just like. Ew. Also, you pay for the babes. It doesn't count as getting babes. Right. But you know what you can pay for? The new Surge Action Cans. <laughs> if anybody has these. There's five I of them. I would love to have them in our collection. I will not pay you money because I don't have any money. <laughs> but if you want to give them to me, I will take them. Yeah, I did not know who was actually in these cans. But there's five different Surge Action Cans. There Sur- was Sting. There was Goldberg. Um, there might have been two Goldbergs, honestly. <laughs> Um, it was not any of the guys that left. That's what I was looking for. I wanted to see if Benoit was on any of those yeah. cans, and he was not. Sid was on one. Bret Hart was not on any. I can't remember who else. Well, speaking of things that are just generally missing, we missed three counts entrance before their match, which I, I need to actually show you is as it's presented on the original show, because they have a version of this on the Thunder after, and you're like, I can't watch this. It's really bad. I don't know if it's to the song and it, the, the dub entrance. The is just so rough. Well, I don't know if the entrance is just that bad or if that is a weird dub because there are certain points during that where yeah. the lyrics kind of align and yeah. I'm like, oh, is it just weird and bad? It's hard to tell. But my baby boy, my sweet little baboo, Shane Helms, he's doing so good. He's doing a little dancing dance. I love him. We're facing your other boy, David Flair. No. Shannon Moore's there, though, who I always forget is, you know, more than just Matt Hardy's protege. Yeah, and an additionally weirdly dubbed theme song. Uh, David Flair and Crowbar come out to a dubbed theme, and I'm like, why? I don't even remember what their theme was. Yeah. So it starts with a weird laughing. 
So this is three count versus David Flair and Crowbar for the tag team titles. And almost immediately, standards and practices come out to watch. This match becomes unwatchable because there's so much happening. Evan Courageous tries to flirt with Daphne, who hisses at him. My girl. But he keeps trying, so David hits him with a crowbar on the outside. This is fine. David and Daphne then make out on the floor, which the first attempt doesn't look great, but the later kisses look okay. They're getting better. They've been practicing. But it's also David Flair, so you could be practicing, and then the next week look like you've never seen a woman before. If his practicing kissing is anything like his practicing wrestling. Standards and practices then leave. By the way, there is a match going on during this. Yeah, this is why I couldn't take any notes on this. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Crowbar wins with a reverse DDT. Cool. There's just a lot. That's what happens when you have standards and practices. An, an idea for a match, and that's it. Standards and practices needs to do something. Yeah. They're not doing anything. They're just looming. And it's been looming for three weeks now? Correct. We need to, we need to do something. Yeah, like there's not enough intrigue going no. on. All the only intrigue is Stacy's legs, which sure, but like I mean, I'm that's intrigued. not enough that's not enough to like carry a group. Disagree, but uh <laughs> we may uh value Stacy's legs a bit differently. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but this was not a match. This was I don't even, I I hesitate to even say an angle it's dressed up as a match. It's yeah, it's it's ten minutes of television. Yep. It's reminding you that three count is here and standards of practice are here. Yeah. And, you know, things. Why were standards of practices even there? They're having issues with David Flair and Daphne. But they were there before the makeout started. Well, cause I think because they know it's going to happen. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense. Admittedly, Lenny Lane kind of looks like Cyrus the Virus with his dyed, dyed brown hair. Good for you for knowing it was Lenny. I always got those two confused. Lodi had the shorter hair. The... I remember Lodi had the sideburns because he would always do the... L- no, that's that's Lash. No. Fuck. Or Lodi also had prominent sideburns. But he didn't do the L thing no. with his hand. But he did have Lenny, sideburns. Lenny Lane... Name does yeah, the, L. the problem is they're all L's. Lenny Lane was the one who you're like, he's trying to be Chris Jericho. He had a narcissism gimmick. Yeah. Jericho's, I stand by it. Jericho's wasn't all narcissism. Yeah, it was a lot of narcissism. It was more... Narcissism was a part of the character and wasn't just the character. It was a good portion of the character. I'm not. We're not getting into this argument yeah. again. We go to the commissioner's office. They dismiss the hose. Nash wants to get rid of the old age outlaws, which um, doesn't come up in this show and doesn't come up on Thunder. Nope. We then get the maestro coming out to the ring. And you were like, the what the fuck? Where the hell have you been, sir? He managed to learn how to hold hands with Symphony. He learned how to hold hands in one hand and conduct in the other. Unfortunately, he's facing Tank Abbott. Yeah, why? Why? Yeah, we get some Nitro stills before the match of Tank versus Flynn at the pay-per-view. And uh, in the words of commentary, and myself, in, in regards to Tank Abbott, his victories have been train wrecks. He is a train wreck. <laughs> we mean it for different reasons, but agreed, Tony Schiavone. Yeah. One punch, Maestro is out, Tank wins. Quickest match I've seen in a very I, long which time. Which I kind of like. I guess I like it, but I know that they're trying I like to push, it. I like it for anybody besides Tank they're Abbott. They're trying to push I don't, Tank, and I don't want them to push Tank because he's so fucking nothing. Kevin Nash has a good line later on that I agree yeah, with. Like, I like it in a vacuum, but the fact that it's Tank Abbott, I'm like, no, why don't put this effort into him? Yeah, no. And then... Oh, my God. I was incredibly surprised because who comes out to confront Tank Abbott? But Norman Smiley. 
what? <laughs> no, like it makes sense for his character. Right? I, mean, I guess, yeah. But like, do you have a death wish? Stop this. So he comes up to challenge Tank Abbott. I'm like, I kind of love this. And then Norman is backing up the ramp in fear. And the camera's panning with him and it just pans to reveal Meng standing just like... Just ear, behind, behind Norman. Behind, like ready to murder somebody. And you're like, who's it going to be? And it turns out he and Norman are actually buddies. They're like on the same team. Meng is Norman's bodyguard, which is just like, what? Since when? Yeah, unfortunately, Tank Abbott doesn't really know what the fuck to do. because Tank. I don't like, think even Norman, none of them know what to do. No, because this is meant to be... Tank Abbott and Meng stare each other down. Yes. What ends up happening is that Tank Abbott just kind of keeps mildly heading towards the back. So he keeps kind of encroaching on Meng. So it doesn't really work. It's meant to be this big stare down. And Tank's like, well, no, I'm, I'm going over there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go, right? It's meant to be this kind of cool moment. And Tank Abbott just kind of kills it by not selling the moment. You're telling me that Tank Abbott's bad at his job? I was going to say, you're telling me Tank Abbott can't sell? Both are correct. God, he really should have won the world title. The no, day. I think he can actually leave. I think he's done. But we are not putting over enough the camera movement of Norman Smiley backing up the ramp to reveal Meng oh just God. standing there. Like The surprise reveal of Meng brought life back to both of us. Yeah. It's like, what? Meng? Like, it was, it was the pan version of, in a horror movie, when they, like, close the mirror and you see the person in the reflection. Like, Meng was the person in the reflection. Like, oh, oh yeah. God. Oh, it's a great cool. move. Like, what are the... It was one of the equivalents of the... Uh, and I've seen a compilation of this. When you zoom in on the one wrestler and someone appears from behind them. Yes. Oh, those are always such great moments. Well, didn't Kane, like, kind of overdo that? Wasn't he doing the, like, appear in the mirror sort of thing? Okay, mirror spots in wrestling is different from the appear from behind somebody. I'm saying, like, hard camera zoom in, and then you get somebody, like, showing up behind them. Hello there. Exactly. But it's now time for the state of WCW address. So the entire roster heads to the ring. And we see, I would say, technically all of them come out, but they chop it up enough to where I'm like, you you could miss a person or two, because... There were some people who I thought weren't there, and they actually cut the close-ups of them. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Lex Luger's there. I don't think he was. Yes. So in terms of people you would expect to be on camera, there were four notable absences. You can tell me if I'm missing anybody that you would have thought would be there. Okay. Two people who they actually talk about, who are DDP and Buff Bagwell, are both right. not there. Sid Vicious is not there, but we right. actually see during this promo. And we see Mike Rotondo... Which they actually, I noted they are calling Rotundo and not yes, Rotundo. Yes, they are. And Rick Steiner. Yes. Kevin Sullivan, who is now booking, is not there. I found that a little interesting. Did he come out with the varsity club later on? No. Oh, so I guess he's done. He's just being a booker now. Yeah, I, oh, okay. I found that kind of interesting. They're like, oh. No, I, I like that. Yeah. Pick a job. Do one thing. Anybody else you think of that was missing? I mean, I think everybody else was kind of spoken for. Like, Booker didn't come out, but they were saying Booker was, like, taken out. I forget if Midnight came out or not. No, I don't think Midnight was there. Asia, I didn't see. I think I saw Asia, but Shane Douglas, not there. No, and, like, the state of their characters is really up in question, so, like, yeah. I don't know. Did Medusa come out? You know, I don't... Spice did not. Uh, yeah, I don't think they came out. Oklahoma didn't come out. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, so there were some notable misses. Yeah. But it was the it was the main roster guys. Yeah, th- that's always a weird thing of like have the whole roster come out. I think one of the more notable ones I can think of in the course of wrestling history is in in a build to actually a show we reviewed WrestleMania twenty four, 
they did John Cena and Randy Orton versus the whole Raw roster. And there were some very notable absences <laughs> from that that roster. It was, it was basically 15 jobbers plus JBL and Umaga. Yeah. Umaga. <laughs> well, yeah. So everyone's in the ring for the state of the WCW address. Oh, Goldberg's mother. Well, yeah, but Goldberg's yeah. been missing from TV. Yeah, but... Nash comes out to the soundbite of NWO and then hail to the chief. <laughs> he then calls the roster underachievers and says he has goals for each and every one of them. <laughs> he says he plans to give Mike Tanay a personality, Brian Knobs a brain, Tank Abbott a heart, Norman Smiley will get courage. And then he kind of kills the joke by going, I sound like Oz. It's an insider Do you wrestling get it? joke. I never saw him wrestle as Oz, so I wouldn't have known he was Oz unless you told me. So, no, the, you know. there's, a, there's a bunch of these throughout the night of, uh, yeah, remember my other gimmicks? I don't know. Get, I thought it was funny. Yeah. We get big Goldberg chance. Nash threatens to fire Goldberg if they keep going. I'll fire that son of a bitch. Nash then gives Jeff Jarrett back the United States title. Holy slap nuts. Well, yeah, that's, Jarrett goes, I have two words for you. Holy slap nuts. Wow. That really worked. Before that, though. Jarrett goes for the handshake again, decides better, and goes for the hug. And It's um, still awkward. And Nash has the line, brothers don't shake, brothers hug. And if you, like me, are going, no, you're missing a word from that, you're correct. That's a Tommy Boy reference. Okay. Kevin Nash, once again, just referencing random 90s movies. Okay. I never saw Tommy Boy. I don't care to see Tommy Boy. Don't, doesn't, it lost on me. Yeah. Much like him referencing Tombstone the other week, but I stop. Basically whatever movie he's watching on the road that week. Nash then says there are some new rules. Did you mark these down? Yes. What's rule number one, Emily? Uh, mandatory exams before each match. What type and of I exam? I mean rectal. Yeah. This is where we see Sid watching the monitor backstage. I'm reason he didn't have to come out. But more importantly, what did he have with him, Emily? Oh, I can't believe he forgot. He, had a, he was drinking a can of Surge. Oh, he was he he was the surge watch of the night. He yes. actually was drinking he a surge. He actually drank a surge. I forgot. Yeah, I was so focused on writing down all of Nash's fucking rules. Admittedly, oh, wait, I literally made a note. Sit in the back with surge, and I highlighted. Admittedly, it. Well, I, I did not see if it was his own action can. It was not an action can. Okay, it was not an action can. We can't afford that. Not yet. Maybe they're not released yet. Who knows? All right, what's rule number two? Equality in the locker room. And there's a there's an additional point to that. No eye contact. Well, they must refer to Nash as Lord, Lord Master. Master. Yeah. No eye contact. Don't look me in the eyes. Rule number three, no one is allowed to ask him what's going on with the world title. He says, I'll let you know. Yeah. And in a spot, I have to give credit to him because one, I can't assume he knew the line was coming or that it would be directed at him. But rule number four is no more illegal substances in the locker room. We got dog sniffing right now. We're going to find all your Viagra. Sorry, Lex. And he sells it. And Lex Luger is like, oh, come on. I'm like, you know what? Credit to Lex Luger for not taking himself too seriously. He, he sold it in a probably unplanned line. So you know what? I'll give Lex Luger credit. It's very rare that we give him credit. Yeah. So. And especially in a note of, of like him going, yeah, you need the Viagra, Lex. Right. He wasn't like, oh, no, no, no. I got a big dick. Well, I don't no, fucking I'm need fine. it. Yeah. No, you know what? It's one of those things like you talk about it. Not enough people talk about how men need Viagra. I don't like your tone, ma'am. <laughs> Not every man <laughs> needs Viagra, Nick. It's going to be okay. I don't like this podcast anymore. I love you. Well, relatedly to Viagra, 
Kevin Nash asks a very honest question that I would also like the answer to. He talks about the Buff Bagwell DDP feud, and it's like, all right, are Buff and Kimberly fucking or what? Can we just find oh, out? And I'm like, 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 Buff, yes. you doing Kim or what? Yeah. He then books DDP versus Buff in the main event with Kimberly as the special guest referee. Uh, not seen here, Kimberly, because Kimberly in the later segment is very clearly not watching this. No, she's not here. She's not paying attention. She's like, I don't. What? This is a waste of my time, which, like, respectable. He also notes that he has a special referee outfit for Kimberly. Which you just have to assume is going to be, like, skimpy as fuck. Oh, yeah. I, I assume it's going to be way skimpier than it actually is. Nash then says the NWO are running the show and calls the NWO gods. This was a long promo, and this was a self-indulgent promo, and I really wonder how much of it was scripted. It's really hard to tell. Kevin Nash can be a pretty good improv, so I, I don't know. Especially when he has not quite an ironclad co- contract, pretty close to it. It's basically ironclad. Yeah. Um, not seen during this is anything involving the WCW title. They talk about it on Thunder. I guess this is a good time as I need to uh, talk about their plan. There's going to be a match next week on Nitro, or I guess potentially two matches. It is going to be Sid Vicious versus Jeff Jarrett. Mm-hmm. If Sid wins, he faces Kevin Nash for the title. If Jarrett wins, Kevin Nash wins the title. Which, what? Yeah, I'd be kind of pissed if I was Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. I'd say we'll see if that plays in anything, but something tells me no. It won't. So yeah, there is a loose plan for the WWE title. Admittedly, I would, I, I would have said, do so, wait for the pay-per-view. How many weeks do we have to pay-per-view? I mean, it's usually like four or five. Like, it's not many. No, I don't know. You could have waited till Super Raw. Things move faster than in, in the WCW. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around a little while, you could miss it. I knew you were going to quote Ferris Bueller. So back in commercial, we get the NWO in their own locker room, like, completely set. I want to say in, like, different outfits. So I'm like, okay, clearly you could record this. Kimberly enters the commissioner's office. She does not know about the match, so clearly was not watching. Admittedly, we've talked before about my annoyance of people showing up late in the show. I think this is the clear example of like, no, this makes you come off unprofessional. He literally announced yeah. the main event that you're a part of in the last segment. And you're like, I know nothing about this. What it's am like, I doing? Yeah. It's like, why are you here? Yeah. Because she's hot, Nick. What would you say it is? Jesus Christ, her on thunder. She's hot. That's her whole job is to have boobs and be hot. That's she it. She still had more boobs than, Tr- than Trish Stratus on thunder. Yeah. I did not know that was possible. Bras are really incredible, man. Anyway. We then go to Rick Steiner and Mike Rotundo with Leia Meow versus Masahiro Chono and Super J. Admittedly, I did not recognize Super J and I was happy that commentary gave me some context. Yeah. We only saw him for that very brief promo. Was it at the pay-per-view? Or was it the week before that we saw his promo? Oh, you said Masahiro Chono was, yeah, yeah was that was at Sold Out where he, sold he out. interrupted a promo and that was yeah. kind of it. He's somebody who like, I like, I know the name of. Like he was one of the leads of like, NWO Japan. Yeah, and they did kind of put that over. I was like, he Kinda, did like all yeah. this work in Japan. Yeah. I don't know. But Super J is the former NWO Sting. Yeah, and they they flat out said it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I they called him NWO Sting. Yeah, yeah. his uh, name is Jeff Farmer. Okay, uh, he is not Yip Jeff Farmer. Yip Yip Yip. What do? Not quite that Yip. So the Varsity Club cut a very generic heel heat promo. Like, we talked earlier about the cheap heat. They were trying to get heat for this match. 
So a little's forgiven, but man, this was the cheapest of cheap heat. I hate that they just come out like, hey, losers. Like, yeah. Shut up. Try even an ounce harder. Also, uh, not seen during this promo or the match, Rick Steiner's heart. Yeah. He's just kind of a dick. He's also like shoving Lam Yao around. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, she she's not doing anything for this team. No, she's really not. She her her heart is also not in being into being a cheerleader. She's not doing any cheer moves. She's just bouncing. Like throw your pom poms up a little bit. Do something. Admittedly, just put Rick Steiner in the NWO. Does he even want to be? Is that part of it? Like maybe he's just kind of okay being part timer. Put him in as like you know, Scott sidekick. Just put it in the fucking varsity club. Like who the fuck cares about the varsity club? Not even the people in the varsity club. So we get generic Asian theme number three for Master Archano and Super J. Like it was a lot of just Asian sounding music. It was yeah. not uh I don't know if it was offensive or not. It's not for me to say. Yeah, it's really not. It's forgettable because I don't remember it. Everyone starts brawling. Rotundo works over Super J and throws Super J to the floor so Steiner can beat him down. Get used to that fucking spot. Sure. Jay casually tags out to Chono, who wants Rotundo in. Then we get a Michigan sucks chant, which gets muted by the broadcast. It was the weird one of the yeah. Weird- was somebody in the broadcast booth like from Michigan? Like, hey, fuck you. Was it them just going? Oh, they're not chanting about this match. I like, don't know. Hey, tell you, bud, no one's gonna care about this match. This is a bad match. They keep things slow with standard action. Chono then lures Rick Steiner to the, to the ramp while the other two are fighting in the ring. Steiner chokes Master Chono out with the camera cable. And then they just both get back on the apron and both tag in. I'm like, oh, I guess he's fine. Like, this is this is an awful match. Oh, it's really bad. It's, it's super boring. It's super slow. I it's, lost It's interest. unfocused. So where, like the, the, the illegal men just keep going out to do shit and, like, are the center of attention. They go back inside and they've lost the crowd. And I, th- I think this is really where they lost us. It was boring before that, but I'm like, I cannot care. There's some miscommunication happening. And around this point, I can't tell if Rick Steiner is gassed. Or is just giving the fuck up? I kind of think it's the latter. I think that he just doesn't give a shit. So maybe it, it's like he doesn't care, so he doesn't care enough to pace himself. It's hard to say because he moves at a snail's pace. And I don't know. He's not known for getting blown up like that during matches. That's why I'm like, it was just kind of weird. So the finish of this match, Mike Rotundo gets Master Chono in a small package. He has him pinned for like 20 to 30 seconds, but the referee is distracted. What's meant to happen and does after the 20 to 30 seconds is Super J gets in the ring and like flips the pin over. The referee eventually turns around and sees the small package and counts the pin. So Masahiro Chono and Super J win. The varsity club beat down the Japanese team and just kind of they bailed the outside and that's it. And it's someone who, who knew the name, not a lot about him. I was kind of hoping Masahiro Chono was going to fill a little bit of the mid card slot that everybody left behind no this is one of the worst matches we watched in the podcast yeah yeah i don't know if i'd go that far because we've watched a lot of david flair but it was definitely not good i, I can laugh at david flair no this was just this is a match that probably went i don't know eight minutes and felt like it went 20 yeah there's no cohesion in this match and i just like i i don't know what they were going for I don't know what the goal was, but this was a failure on everybody involved. And it's just, it's like highlighted by Rick Steiner very visibly not giving a shit or being yeah. gas. And I don't know which, but he's moving in slow motion by the end. 
Yeah, but he's never been one that's like too peppy and and quick moving. You know. I sometimes. You think? We lauded him early for his Did like he? high energy kind of shit. Oh shit! I don't remember that. That was. He was one of our like like early like early MVPs. Often. Oh, God, I don't remember that at all. You were saying you were saying one of the more recent ones. He's too good for this match. Maybe he's too good for the varsity club. Maybe they're just using him wrong. That's if the I thing. Had Put him in the NWO. Him, I don't think the the NWO is better. I don't think that's a better option for him. I don't think him being in a faction is a good thing. I think he's a better addition than the fucking Harris boys are. We are so strapped for mid like mid to top card talent. Why not just send him off as a singles and just like make him a big deal in the main event? Why are we sticking him in a faction? Just let him be a person. <sighs> the problem is they had the opportunity for that. And that's when he got hurt. Like started the podcast. They were giving him the big face push and then he got hurt. And so he, he kind of missed the boat. And it didn't help when he came back. And I remember the line, the DFG is off the leash. Or it's like, it's like off the leash and Goldberg's holding the leash. What? Or it was something like that. Yeah, where it's like, oh. it did make sense. Yeah. Like, oh. So I you, don't know. Yes, so you saying, are second fiddle. Okay, got it. You're saying that the boat left, but the ship is fucking sinking. Let's just throw water off the edge and see what we can make work. I still Why it, not? I still find it interesting. He never went to WWF after this. Yeah. Like, just why not? Throw anything at the wall to see what sticks. Let's move on to a really random match. Because we get the Wall and Sid headed towards the ring for their match. And that's the next one. Sid Vicious versus the Wall. Two guys who were buddies as of a few weeks ago. Now they're having a match. Were they buddies? Yeah. But I really black out when the Wall is on screen. So, I don't give a shit So about the him. Wall turned on Berlin. Yeah. And Sid was like, yay, buddy. And they tagged together. It was like a, like a oh. secret, like a mystery part. Like, it's the wall. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, now they're fighting each other. And on the Thunder, they did Berlin versus the wall with, like, no build. I'm like, yeah? So, in the same week, the wall faced two different yeah. former tag team partners with, like, no pomp and circumstance. Yeah. And did not mention fighting Billy Kim at any point. No. Oh, yeah. Billy Kim's run last night, not mentioned in the slightest yeah. on this show. I guess we should also note that they did say Chris Benoit's name. They did. They didn't say anybody else's name. Nope, you're correct. But. Which is weird because it's usually the other way around. <laughs> but Sid's fucking entrance, man. Oh, that man is so high. He's so, he's fist bumping every single person. He, but he's not even just doing like the little fist bumps. He's like. He's doing the charge up. Like I'm going <laughs> to. Every fist bump is the most me your important power, fist brother. bump he has ever done. And it's so great. Oh my God. I love we this We need man. that energy. Like I like this Sid. It's pretty weird the, the wall rustled in his suit jacket. I feel like he used to take that off. He did use Maybe to take that off. Maybe like, I was like, wait, am I forgetting or did he take that off? No, he definitely did take that off. But it didn't It didn't even strike me as weird. We get a big boot to the wall and he's thrown to the floor. Sid hits multiple chair shots. And it's been a while, but um, DQ? Sid does whatever Sid wants to do. Chairs, tables. He threw a fan's drink at one point. Nothing is safe. Well, then we cut away from the match to see the, sure, why to the, see the Mamelukes in the NWO office. This match obviously sucks. Let's cut, let's cut away. Let's not even do picture in picture. Let's just cut away. Fuck you. Big why? Vito, Big Vito tells Kevin Nash, you know, you want to you be a friend of the family. You know, we, 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 we can do whatever you need. Nash tells them that, that they remind him of Vinny Vegas. Another Kevin Nash gimmick. You know who... Um, Johnny the Bull reminds me of. Who, Emily? So, I don't know if you know this, but um, 
He wrestles in TNA as his wrestler named Relic. Oh, I thought it was race car. No, the reason that it's Relic, and that's pretty cool, because Relic spelled backwards is killer. Well, do you know what race car spelled backwards is? Fuck you. <laughs> that's what that's was spelled backwards. So Nash tells them to go beat up Sid. By the way, not that it's relevant to anything. There's that random w- week, and we have an episode titled about this, where the fucking Master Blasters came back. <laughs> the Master Blasters. Yeah, Kevin Nash cannot fucking help himself. No. So Nash tells the Mama Lukes to go beat up Sid. We go back to the match, choke slam to the wall, and Sid wins via pinfall. And kind of made the wall look like shit. The wall is shit. You had him beat Billy Kidman in this Hell in a Cell the other night. The wall is shit. The only reason Billy Kidman lost to this lost to the wall is because Billy was sleepy. Why was he sleepy? He had a lot to do that night. His first match got cut off after 90 seconds. He was busy. <laughs> but no, my point is generally... I guess trying to build back to a Kidman versus Wall feud. And the fact that you you had him beat Billy Kidman last night. So clearly you're trying to do something with him. You set up the Mamelukes coming out to interfere. Have Sid win have Sid win by DQ. Why are you having Sid just pin him clean? Yeah, I that one I can't explain. Yeah. Sometimes I hate being able to book wrestling shows better than the people running the show. I've been saying this for like for a long time now that you are better at booking wrestling than wrestling bookers. The problem is I don't I don't have three hours of story for fifty two weeks a year to tell people. This is also why it's not so fun to play um, WWE two K with you is because you're just good at it. I'm not no. good at it. So we did a bit of GM mode in WWE two K twenty three. And Emily is trying to put on actually good shows. And I'm like, no, that's not how the the system works. Where apparently if you put two people who were feuding in a tag team match against each other, that will not increase their feud at all. I don't know. Who cares? It's a good show. It's good storytelling. Well, admittedly, that's the way the old system worked. So we'll have to get an Xbox 360. Okay, so if and- I played like 2K13 and beat my kids? <laughs> I think they got rid of GMO by then. I'm thinking SmackDown versus Raw 2007. Jesus. I know Bam Bam Bigelow is a legend of that game, so uh, mm. plays him. Yeah, the Legends roster is a lot smaller than that one. I think all faces of Foley are in there, but uh, part of me is debated getting an Xbox 360 or a PS2 or 3 and streaming the like story modes of that on, tw- on Twitch. Okay, that would be worth it. I'm like, we don't need another console. We have so many consoles. We have every console. But if you wanted to stream it, I would. I would... I think you'd be fun to watch stream because I watch you play video games all the time. But yeah, so the match. Sid wins by a pinfall off the choke slam. The goons come out. Sid power bombs Johnny the Bull and then Big Vito and Disco thinks better and leaves. And Sid celebrates to end the segment. So what I'm kind of confused by is we didn't get any follow up on Disco leaving. I thought there was going to be some like, what the fuck, you abandoned us? Like, I thought that would feed back into the Disco and Mama Luke's complicated relationship. Where, like, there'd be a backstage segment, like, why the fuck did you abandon us? You're not part of the family. Yeah, the opposite of that. Uh, on Thunder, Disco kind of helps them win the tag team championships. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the Mama Luke's tag team champions come next Nitro, and David Flair and Crowbar, I think, just vanish. Yeah. I think that's them going, yeah, that was a Vince Russo idea. I, uh, I don't like that one. Let's get rid of that. Let's pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> and... Mom looks are a, a serious enough to you know, or a capable enough team to where we can just throw on them and then decide where the hell we want to go from here. Yeah. So in the last like two weeks, let's just focus on that. Sure. The hardcore championship changed hands like right before the pay per view 
for some reason, even though they had a pay-per-view match for the title. From who to who? From Norman Smiley to Brian Nobbs. Okay. And Brian Nobbs won that match yes. for what it's worth on pay-per-view. So you yes. could have just done it then. The U.S. title got vacated and then it got put back on Jeff Jarrett. Yes. The world title got vacated, put on Chris Benoit, then vacated again, and we'll have a new champion next week. The Cruiserweight title got won by Oklahoma and was vacated on Thunder. Tag Team Championships were on a not real wrestling team and now have changed hands. Yeah. The title scene is in, for everywhere is in absolute shambles. Nothing makes sense. Everything hurts and I'm dying. Well, speaking of everything hurts, now I'm dying. Um... We get the segment that inspired our chat at the beginning of the show. We get Scott Snyder heading to the ring with a cheerleader and one of the hoes. They're all in Michigan gear. And before you even see what happens when he comes out, he attacks the Ohio State mascot. Reminiscent of him attacking Wildcat Willie. He cuts a I'm the best at sex promo. I'm like, it's been a while. Yeah, we've not heard one of these in a while. Snyder then says that at Michigan, they like to go to Ohio State because beating them was easy. Like they're women. He just generally. But he's. This is confusing because he says that Ohio doesn't have pretty women, but then he said that in college they used to come to Ohio because their women were easy. So he's like implying that he sleeps with ugly women. So he riles up the crowd. He attacks a fan, and I don't know if this was accidental or was gimmicked, but or well, I should say the fan attack was planned very oh, 100%, clearly. Yeah. But the fan leaves with a like broken nose, and I'm oh like, God, did yeah, Sutter accidentally stiff him or potentially in- intentionally stiff him? But. Or was uh, that gimmicked? Yeah, his nose was gushing blood. And then we just cut away. And that's that. What the fuck was the point of that? Literally nothing. I think filling time. It felt like a filling time segment. How'd that be a dark segment between... What if we had a match between Brutus Buckeye and Scott Steiner? I, I don't think Steiner's cleared still. He's not cleared to fight a mascot. I don't know. It's, it's relative. <laughs> yeah, th- this was the one that I'm like, you just came out, healed in the crowd... And left. You didn't progress any story. You didn't put anything over. You just got heat for yourself in a crowd you're not going to be in front of next week. Right. So let's go to our second and last match. It is the total package with Miss Elizabeth versus Bam Bam Bigelow. God, I forgot this match even happened. I know. Lex is not in the sting gear anymore. Commentary is like, oh. Thank God. Man, he thought better of it. Be your own fucking person. Bam Bam runs into the ring and immediately gets stomped. Like, before he even gets up. It's like, wow, okay. You got God. I love Bam Bam Bigelow. We've talked about this. <laughs> but there's a cliche of jobbers wearing the upcoming pay-per-view t-shirt. Yes. It's a whole different level when you're wearing the, the t-shirt of a pay-per-view from three pay-per-views ago. It just sort of comes off like you forgot your uniform and you just grab whatever shirt you could find backstage. We get a pretty standard affair from these two. We get a slam falling headbutt from Bam Bam Bigelow and then a diving headbutt. Then we get Liz on the apron. Bigelow goes for the greetings from Asbury Park. Canyon runs in to stop it. Bam Bam grabs Canyon for a move, and Lex hits Bam Bam with with the champagne bottle and pins Bam Bam Bigelow. It was all right. It no, was no match. sting story progression. They were saying he's going to be back soon. I missed what day they were saying. This is a nothing match. This was so boring and kind of nothing. Yeah, it's just going to elongate the feud of... It's like, oh, Bam Bam and Canyon used to be friends. What happened? Yeah, it's going to elongate that feud while reminding you Lex Luger exists. Yeah, exactly. But let's uh, start gearing towards our main event. We got DDP, Buff Bagwell, and Kimberly all headed towards the ring. You loved Kimberly's outfit. She looked so good. She was wearing black leather pants. A, like, black bra, and then her referee shirt was just, like, a collared short sleeve shirt tied up at the at the boobalies. It looked so good. It was very flattering. 
That's our main event. It's Buff Bagwell versus Diamond Dallas Page with the special guest referee and special guest ruiner, Kimberly. However, she does get pyro. She does. Bless her. DDP spits at, at Buff to start and they trade punches. A spitting Uranagi from DDP early on and then a slowish count for a two. Oh my god. Kimberly Actually, does for not a one, know but... how to count. Yeah, Buff gets the advantage. They brawl to the outside and end up in the crowd. Not seeing the crowd. Kimberly. Kimberly just watches from ringside. Like, oh, oh yeah, she's not going out there. DDP breaks a crutch over Buff. I do you see where he got this from, but uh, Bobby Heaton has the line, someone's hobbling home. <laughs> got a little pop out of that me. That was funny, yeah. I mean, in the story, yeah. If he broke a crutch with somebody. If that was somebody's real crutch, then yeah. You're like, well, fuck, now I'm stuck here. That wasn't a real crutch. Kimberly's watching from ringside, and they do an interesting story note of like, oh, she likes watching them fight for her. Like, they basically turn Kimberly heel. They were giving her a lot of shit, saying it's very high school energy to watch boys fight over her. Yeah, like, they're they're painting her as a heel during this match. Like, shut up. Leave her alone. Once again... Doing the weird thing of, is DDP a face or not? It's like, the woman he's fighting for clearly just wants to see him fight. Yeah. But no, he's a heel, I swear. Yeah, I don't know. They end up back in the ring. Both men are down. Buff chokes DDP in the corner and then does his taunt. DDP pulls Buff crotch first into the ring post very safely. Like So slowly. He, he inches him like... Okay, it's like, get, you there? You there? Ah, yeah. pretend. It's like, you're up against it? Okay, now I now I'll pull it. Yeah. Double arm DDT from Buff gets a very slow two, and it's not intentionally slow two. It's just she's that bad. Oh, she's awful. She's a terrible referee. Yeah, they trade near falls. Like, like, like many quick near falls back and forth. Yeah. Like, they go for the bridge spot multiple times, and her counts kill the spots. The only thing that she has to do, she does not have to get in between these guys and actually do that kind of refereeing. All she has to do is count. And she will not yeah. count. Yeah, you were saying how you hate when referees get the corner and separate I them. Do. Yeah, that was not an issue in this match. No, she like that's not what she was going to do anyway. But like, you, all you had to do was count. You had to count to three. DDP crotches Buff in the corner. But then we get a low blow from Buff that goes unacknowledged. Buff hits a blockbuster and, and opposed to going for the pin like you would normally do. He starts a taunt, and it's unclear whether or not Kimberly started out of position or it was meant to be this sloppy, but he starts going for some sort of taunt, and Kimberly just sprints into him and takes a bump, and it's like, buff hitter! Yeah, it was like, it was supposed to be at a point where he, like, extended his arms out. Yeah. Like, one of the arms was supposed to hit her, but his arms were fully extended, and then she started running. Like, girl, what are you like, doing? Like, I've told you this before. There's an entrance of Big E and, a- and AJ Lee where Big E does the big arm swing just for his entrance and accidentally just, like, fully punches AJ in the chest. Yeah. And she no-sells it. This is the reverse of that. Is that yeah, exactly. He means to do that. Kimberly has to run into his, like, shoulder and sells it like death. Yeah. And again, I don't know why he didn't just go for the pin. DDP hits a diamond cutter, pins buff. Kimberly leaves while DDP celebrates. Which yeah. just adds to more of the dissension of, like, why is she just leaving if she potentially helped her husband win? Shouldn't she be on his side? Like, whose side is she on? You know, with a normal ref, this probably wasn't a bad match, but no. Kimberly absolutely she ruined it. She yeah. ruined it. Yeah. And oh, well. It, that's an incredible feat, because special referees usually just have, like, a, like one-story point to get across. She, like, absolutely killed this match that I was kind of looking forward to, because I more or less enjoyed their match uh, at the pay-per-view, so I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, this this was a flat end of the show, and I 
admittedly, it was a decent show for a company for the state the company's in because they don't know what the fuck's going on. My main criticism is that it feels like they don't know what's going on, and I know they don't. So it's like, okay. I Yeah, you're right. It does feel like they don't know what to do. But this this felt like a show that was stationary. It didn't want to move anything too far yes. because it didn't know where it was going to go. It, exactly. Like a, it, it, this it, is a filler episode. A hundred percent. It yeah. killed a week of television. It didn't feel like we went backwards. No. But it Definitely felt like we didn't, yeah, we didn't progress at all. No. Yeah. We, we were talking about how we played the GM mode in, in 2K23. And it's one of those where like, okay, it's the week before the pay-per-view. I got to, uh, I got to keep everyone's stamina high enough. So I got to, right. I got I got to book a bunch of bullshit matches. I got to book this, this random local talent to, to wrestle one of my tag team champions because I have no other feud for them. Right. <laughs> but it was not a bad show. It gave me. It really wasn't. It really wasn't a bad show. It didn't spell doom and gloom Mm-mm. for the in-between Russo era. Right. Which is, it's rare. Yeah, that that was our biggest concern coming into this is that neither one of us knows like anything about these shows. So what's it going to be? And I'm worried it's going to be a bit of filler. I think there's going to be some random faff, but. Probably, but I don't know. This gave me hope. Like if this is the random faff, this wasn't bad. No, it was a passable show. It was, it was a bit uninteresting, but. Yeah. It doesn't actively feel like they're heading towards the cliff. During the show? Sure. It feels like, okay, you know, you're, you're trying to figure shit out. Right. Well, we'll have to see if that continues next week, because next week's going to be a brand new WCW champion. Woo! But before next week, let's go to best bit, worst bit, and MVP. Emily, what is your best bit? So, my best bit goes to the Kidman Psychosis match, because it was obviously the best match on the card. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There was no standout segments that made us think. But I think you'll also agree with my shout-out. It's the Meng jump scare shot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would qualify as a bit, but it's so small. It is is the bittiest of bits. Yeah. It is a bitty bit. Emily, what is your worst bit? I actually did not write down a worst bit. You did not have a worst bit? No. I probably did have one on the day that we were watching it, but I pulled on it. Did you have a worse bit? Yes, it's the Varsity Club versus Masahiro Chono and Super J. Yeah, that's fair. The match, yeah, I, Definitely worst match. I, I mean, I'll retract my worst match of the podcast. I think it's in the top 10 worst. I, I don't think that's... Okay, yeah. I, 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 top I, I'll 10 stand is by fair. That. Top 10 yeah. is fair. I think Bo- worst match is I guess bottom 10. Bottom 10, I guess, yeah. yeah. Bottom 10 matches. Just, God, it was so fucking long. And I... I wanted it to be good. I wanted yeah. to like root for these guys. And I'm like, oh, you're going to save the mid card. Nope. That ain't yeah. it. Now, I didn't really have one of these coming in. I don't, I don't know if you did, but Emily, who's your MVP? Okay, I'm not happy with who I gave it, what, gave it to. Who did you give it to? I gave it to Kevin Nash. Wow. I know. Holy shit. I'm not, I'm not happy about it, but I actually really liked the State of WCW segment. I liked it. It put over a lot. It did a lot of work. I thought he did well with it. Oh, wow. Okay. Agree to disagree there. I liked it. I, I thought the segment was fun. I can't get over the self-indulgence of it. Well, you with Kevin Nash, you just have to acknowledge that that's part of his character. I'm not happy about it, but I couldn't think of anybody better. That might be his first MVP. Potentially. Who did you give yours to? So, I, I had an answer coming in, and the more I kind of looked at the show and looked at everything... <laughs> Admittedly, it's, it's mostly for his entrance. Give it to Sid. Course, yeah. I was gonna give it to Arn, and I went. You know what? Arn oh, did- I would have. Dis- I would have disagreed with you more heavily on Arn. 
yeah, Arn kind of disappears, but like Sid is cementing himself as he he is the top face, sure. and admittedly he gave a top face performance and he like, hyped up the crowd. I had the moment of him celebrating, and I'm like, and in a strange moment, it was like, oh no, this might be okay because it makes sense for Sid to be your top face, which sure. is not a sense I thought I'd say a few months ago. True. I think what gets me with the MVPs is I have a hard time giving it to someone who only is on screen for a very short amount of time. Kevin Nash was on the TV screen the entire fucking show. And that's kind of why but I how gave much it to value Kidman. did he bring? That, that, that's part of the, the whole show was centered around him. But everything I think of that was good from the show did not involve Kevin Nash. Yeah, but only one good thing from the show involved Sid. He brought more value to me than okay. Kevin Nash. I mean, we're going to disagree. It's fine. But that'll do it for this episode of the Butts and Seats podcast. Next up is the January 24th, 1999 month. Uh, oh, 2000. I, hey, every oh, time. It's going to take some doing to get rid of. Every time. January 24th, 2000 Nitro. And after that, we're doing a thunder. That said, why are we doing the thunder? You'll have to listen to it to find <laughs> out. We're only doing thunders when I've noted something important is going to happen. Sure. But until then, you can listen to all of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod and on Facebook at the Butts and Seats Podcast. And it won't be up at the time of release, but. We're soft uh, launching. Yeah, we are in the works of starting a Patreon. If you want a little more content, I don't know when we're going to be opening it. I've, I've joked we're going to launch it on the day of our wedding if you want to get us a wedding gift. <laughs> Subscribe <laughs> to the Patreon. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, there's going to be a lot of cool content over there that we're both working on for a little while longer. Yes, we're sorting out exactly what it's going to be, but at the very least, on day one, we are going to release our unaired pilot of us <laughs> reviewing WrestleMania 18. And it's going to be a fuck ton of content with that alone <laughs> because the recording file is over four hours. We had so, no idea what we were doing. Yeah, the audio quality is not going to be great, but it's a little insight into uh, exactly where we started. But until the next Nitro, Emily, any closing thoughts? No. I got nothing. We're in uncharted territory. I don't really know what to expect, but until then, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Bust Disease Podcast. Bye!